You're listening to Commute, the podcast. Congratulations, you'll be smarter when you get there. What up? Welcome into Commute, the podcast. I'm Dave. And I'm Jay. And we are about to take you on a deep dive on three topics that we find interesting, and we're betting that you might just find them interesting, too. We can promise you this, you'll be smarter when you get there. On this edition of Commute, it's annoying, but it's just part of life. Sometimes our mail gets lost, sent to the wrong house, or just plain never shows up. It's rare, though, that it happens for something really important, you know, like cremated remains. Over the past few decades, the reported friendships that Americans have have undergone quite a transformation, and not necessarily for the better. We'll analyze some of the data and try to make sense of it. Proper etiquette is often judged by the eye of the beholder, meaning that things we think are proper might not be proper for someone else. This week, we explore some etiquette things that you may want to consider before your next international trip. All of that on this edition of Commute. Let's go. Jay, do you have any stories that you could possibly share with us this week about uh, some time in your life or the life of a loved one where you dealt with a mishap with the mail. Well, my wife uh, famously as a child uh, would go through the neighborhood of her uh, you know, youth and uh, put all the flags up on the mailboxes because it was like a decoration <laughs> thing. Well, of course, that means that there's something in there that needs to go. So that would con- very much confuse the mailman. And uh, so this is something that I just haven't ever let go. You know, we'll be on a walk now in the year 2023. We're in our mid thirties and I'll say something like, you uh, you want to put that flag up on that mailbox or, <laughs> hey, a uh, flag's up on that mailbox. Have you been around? Uh, did you come through this neighborhood already? Because yeah, I just can't let it go. <laughs> How mad was that mailman? I mean, just <laughs> furious. He's like, again? Somebody's just doing this just, just to completely uh, mess with specifically me. He's like, I have to check them <laughs> because some of them actually have mail that needs to go. Well, Jay, my bizarre mail situation is actually ongoing. So my wife and I have lived in our current house uh, for just uh, over four years now. And over those four years, we have consistently and relentlessly gotten mail for the wrong person. So no joke, at least once a week, we get mail for a guy named Randy Posvar, which is all the funnier (laughs) because that name sounds 100% made up, like it's the perfect alias. Uh, But anyways, we keep getting mail for Randy. And it's typically not like, you know, car dealership flyers or local pizza place coupons. It's contact us immediately letters from the IRS. <laughs> and, and I mean, I mean, we've even had official looking government people show up at our door in unmarked cars. I'm not making that up. Looking for Randy Posfar. We always send the mail back. We always tell them we don't know, that, know him. He does not live here. If Randy is listening to this, I don't know when. I don't know how. But they will find you, gotta, man. you got to like, leave a forwarding address, Randy. You can't keep running forever. But, Jay, as frustrating as it can be to have a mail mishap occur to you, or you know, if you're the mailman and someone's putting up all the flags in the neighborhood, it's usually not that big of a deal. If you mail someone, I don't know, like a birthday card, and it gets lost, you can just replace it. Well, there's one thing, though, that doesn't quite work that way, and it's impossible to replace. The cremated remains of a loved one. Jay, a recent report from the U.S. Postal Service Office of Inspector General 
found that there are currently packages in the possession of the post office that contain the cremated remains of 452 unidentified individuals. And believe it or not, the USPS is the only legal way to ship cremated remains, and it has strict procedures on how it can be done. These, at least in theory, are in place to keep this kind of thing from happening. Sensitive and irreplaceable packages, you know, like a cremated body, must be shipped via Priority Mail Express and have a huge orange sticker attached to them for easy identification. But now comes the emphasis on the in-theory part. Jay, get a load of this. The report from the Inspector General found that either some or all of these protective procedures are not followed between 28 and 50% of the time. While it obviously is still pretty rare for a package containing human remains to get delayed or lost, it still happens, typically due to human error, like illegible handwriting or a non-existent address, according to reporting from Vice. Interestingly enough, and no, before you ask, cremated remains do not fit on this list, there is a whole process for what to do with lost packages. So when a package goes into no man's land, it's first held for 60 days at the MRC, which stands for Mail Recovery Center, to see if someone will claim it. If no one does, it is then opened to see if the value of the item or items is greater than $25. If the package is, Jade actually gets auctioned off. And if not, (laughs) it's recycled or trashed. And the auction site, okay, governmentdeals.com. It's actually govdeals.com. It's wild, man. Okay, like you can go on there and bid right now for steel beams, engine motors, cars, <laughs> Just ATVs. Just in case. <laughs> yeah, yeah, even engagement rings. Okay, so if any of the folks that are listening are thinking of getting married, maybe you go there first. I don't know, might get a sweet deal. <laughs> But at the end of the day, as interesting as it is, what happens to the remains that go unclaimed? Well, according to Vice, no one outside of the U.S. Postal Service seems to really know. The official response, according to the Inspector General Office, is the MRC continues to work to find a resolution for delivering these undeliverable and or damaged cremated remain packages. So, Jay, basically, if you lose a loved one's cremated remains, you know where to start in the journey to locate them. But I'll add that, uh, according to Vice, the latest MRC report shows that the oldest remains that currently sit in the exile date back to February 2015. So you better get a rush on them. They don't keep them forever. You know, postal workers are people just like the rest of us, and I would imagine that when they are sent their mandatory training videos, like when they get the job and they have to watch them, they do what everyone else does. You just click through them real quick. And especially if one of those videos is titled How to Handle Cremated Remains in... That are in transit because you're sitting there thinking like, when am I ever going to have to do that? And you just click through it as fast as possible, but then the situation arises. You actually need to know what to do. Well, therein lies the problem, probably. So, Dave, we are in our mid thirties, and things tend to change as you move through your teen years into your twenties, and then into your thirties, and. I think for most people that I've talked to, and myself included, I think one of those things that does go undergo an evolution in a way is your friendships. And so from your perspective, do you feel like your level of friendships or the nature of your friendships has changed as you've moved into this new phase of life? Well, I think as you get older, it becomes more difficult to find situations where you make friendships. So I feel like I am constantly making friendships, but you're not really put into situations that lead to deeper friendships, like when you're younger. 
those are harder to get as you get older. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think especially like the older you get and the more times you move, it's like the, the harder it is, I think, probably yeah. to kind of form uh, those connections. But Dave, as we navigate the complexities of this modern world that we're in, it appears that Americans are experiencing a deficit in close friendships. A study that we're going to be using for this segment from the Survey Center on American Life reveals that the average number of confidants has dwindled from three in 1985 for most people to a solitary one. In 2004, more than one in 10 Americans report having no close friends. The share of Americans who have zero close friends has been steadily rising from 3% of the population in 1991 to 12% in 2021. The share who have 10 or more close friends has also fallen from 33% to 13%. Since then, the trend has continued its downward trajectory, raising alarm bells among experts. And I know everyone's knee-jerk reaction here is to say, well, it's social media, it's Facebook. And I think that is a factor for sure, no question. But it is not the only factor. This is a puzzle with a lot of pieces. So let's talk about the crucial influence that the presence of technology and social media has in this hyper-connected era, it's easy to mistake online interactions for genuine connections. The allure of likes and comments and followers can kind of create this mirage of social fulfillment, kind of deceiving us into believing that we have these thriving relationships. But the truth is, these digital interactions, they often lack the depth and the authenticity necessary for building long-term bonds. While technology has made it kind of effortless to maintain a larger network of acquaintances, it has simultaneously eroded the quality of our real life connections. In fact, they have the data on where we make friends. It shows this. A majority, 54% of Americans with close friends, say that they met a close friend at their or their spouse's workplace. Less than half, 47%, report making a close friend at school, either one that they currently attend or one that they previously attended. 40% of Americans say that they made a close friend through their existing network of friends. About one in three, 35% of Americans, have made a close friend in their neighborhood and about one in five made a close friend at their place of worship, like 21% or a club or organization that they belong to. 10% of Americans and 16% of adults with children living at home say they developed a close friend through their child's school. Only 8% of Americans report having made a close friend online. Moreover, the constant exposure to curated versions of others' lives, it can lead to feelings of inadequacy and comparison. The kind of highlight real phenomenon can breed a sense of isolation and kind of hinder the development of meaningful connections. In fact, Dave, in 1990, 75% of Americans had someone in their life that they considered a best friend. In 2021, that number had dropped to 59%. The roster of close friends has dwindled too. Close to half, 49% of Americans report having three or fewer close friends. More than a third, 36% of Americans report having several close friends between four and nine. 13% of Americans say they have 10 or more close friends, which is roughly the same proportion of the public that has zero close friends at 12%. Another factor worth considering here, Dave, is that the pace of our lives has changed. The demands of work and family and personal responsibilities often leave little room for investing in friendships. 
The COVID pandemic looms large here, and while more Americans reported making a new friend during the pandemic than you may think, around 46%, researchers also agree that the COVID era was not really beneficial for the development of American social lives. Furthermore, societal shifts have played a role in this friendship deficit. As traditional social structures evolve, individuals are increasingly geographically more spread out, moving away from their hometowns and established support systems. Now, you may think politics plays a role, like a more politically divided society would destroy friendships, right? But only about 15% of Americans have reported ending a friendship over politics. But over half, around 55% of Americans, report that they don't really even talk about politics with friends that often to begin with. But Dave, there's a lot here, and we will link the study results in the show notes because there is much more we didn't have time for. But I think these trends can help us maybe evaluate our own lives and friendships a little closer on some level. You know, I have been in a lot of weddings, as you know. That is 100% true. I I feel like you've been in like 30 weddings, sometimes for people (laughs) that you're not even that close to. Like it's this, you're like the token guy that they're like, I need a a groomsman. I'm going to get this guy. (laughs) I've been in the wedding parties of... 12 to 14 people. I actually can't even remember the number. Seems low. Almost, <laughs> almost, it might be higher. Almost all of them are actual friends. D- different levels, but we're, we're actual friends. There are two, especially one though, that stick out of my mind that I was definitely the, I gotta, I, I don't have any friends. I gotta call somebody. I know this guy. He'll do it. <laughs> and I mean, it's like I knew him. We're acquaintances. But uh, it was just a really strange experience because, you know, the whole wedding party thing, you're like part of their family. It's this huge day and you've got no like shared history because maybe you've, you know, maybe you worked with them or whatever and you know them a little bit. But I feel like if you don't know someone's middle name, you're just probably not that good (laughs) friends with them. Now, do you still have all the suits from these weddings hanging in your closet? You better believe it. (laughs) Pushed to the back, but just trophies just there, just as in they case. say. <laughs> trophies. It's like case. it's like uh, deer heads on the wall, or like or whatever. Jay, uh, finally, we are both dads, and one of the challenges of being a dad is modeling the behavior that you want your kids to embody. Like little acts of service, such as holding the door for others or even learning how to say please and thank you, they got to learn it somewhere. But other things are in more of a gray area. These are the things we'd more accurately label as etiquette and not necessarily manners. And what's fascinating about etiquette, it's not universal. Like it depends on a lot of factors. So how about your kids? Have you run into some etiquette issues? Yeah, I mean, this is a hard part of being a parent that you don't really experience until you're doing it. And that is, and I'm just being honest here, that a lot of people's kids are just jerks (laughs) and (laughs) you, you don't want to be that way because they're kids, you know, so you don't necessarily blame the kids, but a lot of times, uh, like just happened the other day, I was at the park, uh, with my three kids. I was already like kind of agitated cause I had stepped on a B and I was already mad. Uh, but they, you know, it was like a gravel, there's a gravel everywhere. And barefoot? one of my kids, were you, yeah, were you barefoot. barefoot? Well, I had, like, I had sandals on, but you know, whatever. Uh, the, uh, there was gravel everywhere. And one of my kids like picked up some, a handful of gravel and kind of threw it up in the air. And I was like, Hey, don't do that. We're not gonna throw rocks. Okay message received, right? He's not gonna throw rocks anymore. Well, another kid on the other side of the playground whose parents just like literally did not care was like, oh, well, if that kid's not allowed to throw rocks, of course, that means that I 
want to throw rocks. So he just started throwing rocks like crazy. Well, then your kids start going like, why is he allowed to throw rocks, but I can't throw rocks? And it's like, you have to give an answer of, well... You, you can't say what you really want to say. You what you really say, want to say is like, make your kids stop throwing rocks, you know? Like, <laughs> so it's, it's frustrating. It's, and it's something that you just kind of have to navigate in your own way every time. It feels different every time. You're like, well, boys, that kid is on a one-way ticket to jail. <laughs> so that's, we're not going to be living that kind of life. But for us, I mean, it's crazy, too, how this just happens, especially with boys. They just start doing this naturally. It's talking about bathroom stuff, especially poop. Okay, like little boys love joking about poop. I mean, I did it. You actually probably didn't do it, but most little boys nah, It seems do. a little crass, even to a young me. <laughs> exactly. You had higher standards. But I mean... You know, like my oldest son, he just wants to call people poop heads, whether it be me or whoever. <laughs> they laugh at they, they laugh at just the sheer thought of somebody pooping. Like if somebody says, "Hey, I have to go to the bathroom," like my son will just start laughing. So it's just it's in, and I didn't teach him that. It's just in him. But outside of family etiquette, according to the international banking company Remitly, there are also global etiquette practices that are inconsistent. Yet these at least should be considered when you travel. So listen up if you get a trip planned. Jay, it's just true. Whether we tend to agree or not, rudeness is a debatable concept when traveling around the world. Behaviors that we consider socially acceptable in the United States could get you in a fistfight in the home of an international friend. Like in Japan, for example, slurping your soup, something we equate to nails on a chalkboard in the U.S., is a sign of appreciation for the chef. In Australia, you should refrain from announcing that you're stuffed after a big meal That is, unless, of course, you want to announce to the table that you're pregnant. (laughs) And it's also crucial to be mindful of what you do with your hands in other countries. Now, this one would be so hard for me. In Argentina, it's apparently rude to offer a thumbs up. Who knew? While in the Democratic (laughs) Republic of the Congo, it's frowned upon to ever point directly at another person. And while these rules sound somewhat strange to us in America... It's important to remember that some of our American etiquettes sound pretty crazy outside of this country, like tipping. The hotly debated practice of tipping at a restaurant, which you know we may cover in a future segment now that I think about it, can really make things awkward when done in an international setting. So while etiquette is always changing to fit the current culture, Jay, here are some additional interesting international etiquette norms according to Remitly. You ready? Yeah. Italy. Italy, it's rude in the birthplace of the pizza to put Parmesan cheese on your pizza. In Finland, you should always be naked in a sauna, even in a business sauna trip setting, so you really get to know your coworkers. (laughs) Iceland, in Iceland, it's perfectly okay to burp in public. A lot of Americans are already practicing this one, but just so you know. (laughs) Venezuela, in Venezuela, when a host puts a broom behind their door, It's a signal that they are ready for you to leave. I would love to watch that one play out. In South Korea, on the other hand, it's customary to include karaoke as part of the experience when inviting others over to your house. It sounds like we should be adopting that one to me. (laughs) In Luxembourg, chewing gum is a big no-no and considered very rude. And finally, one that I currently embrace myself. When visiting our northern neighbors in Canada, it is perfectly okay 
to arrive fashionably late. <laughs> well, U.S. presidents famously have a problem with this. Uh, President Bush, for example, swung down to Australia and famously gave the V like for victory sign. But since he was has his palm facing toward him, it was basically he was giving them the middle finger. Same happened with President <laughs> Nixon when he went to South America. He got off and gave like the OK sign, like the circle with like the thumb and forefinger, you know, and the three. Uh, and uh, that was basically like giving the middle finger in their culture. So, you know, Americans just kind of maybe we just have this issue of not necessarily knowing about other people's culture, just feeling like they have to take ours. You got to have somebody prep. You. I mean, if you're the president, somebody's got. I would to say prep. that. Hopefully, uh, the Oval Office uh, has learned from its mistakes. And that's it. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to rate, subscribe, and review Commute on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast network. We're on social. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And you can always say what up at our website, CommuteThePodcast.com. Music for Commute is provided by my main man, Jason Sammons. For Jason, and I'm Dave Trop. We'll see you next week. Now, you know, I, I, if you remember, I, I do have a history with the post office, like a, a contentious history. I don't because, remember. I have no idea what you're well, talking about. You and I were coming back from a trip one time, and I, I seriously, I pulled up in front of your house to drop you off, and I was there for, I don't know, 10 seconds while you got out of the car and left, and the, po- and the a post office worker, the mailman, drove up behind me because I was blocking your mailbox. And I heard him scream cuss words at me. Is this come back to you? Uh, it is. He yeah. cussed. He cussed me out super loud and drove around me like a huge jerk. So I sent a, a letter. <laughs> <laughs> I I sent an email, a scathing email to the post office saying, "Hey, here's the situation. I did not appreciate this." And the post office got back to me and said that that officer, I guess you call them officers, that mailman, mail officer, <laughs> that he had been. Um, Sent to mandatory anger management training. Well, I don't think it's because of because I don't of think me. it's a contentious relationship with the post office as much as it's just an obsession with justice. Like you were not <laughs> going to let this slide. Like it was going to be rectified. Like if it took your whole day, you were going to deal with it. Do you think they relocated him? Like was he was he retru- like delivering your mail? After that, <laughs> I mean, or... I, the mailman that stops at my house now is super nice, uh, yeah. and um, I've never heard any anger or anything. So it's probably a different guy. Do you have anything you want to say to me? <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs>